Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Addicted, 
uh, to uh, cheating. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? You know, I, I was addicted to cheating. And, uh, you know, all of that attention I needed. Well, you know what? The lady said, ah, nah, I'm not trying to hear that. They're not trying to hear that. What about the one who says, you know what? You get no support from your family and friends that tell you you're an idiot so you keep on you keep on cheating you know unfortunately we've gotten to the point that uh, no excuse any excuse rather is better than no excuse hmm well what are you going to do it, it just lies after lies after lies after lies after lies. And, you know, some people, you know, they just make this their, you know, their business to lie, to cheat. And unfortunately, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to have to go through these things in life. You know, people are going to tell all kinds of stories. And, you know, you're going to have to learn to live with this stuff. Right? Yeah. Well, we had the switch tip with Shanti. And yesterday's tip was get rid of the persona. Didn't we just get finished talking about this? You know, if your persona is not about being in the Lord. If your persona is not about living a life that God would have you live, if your persona is not about being a true person of God, you're really going to be in trouble. Because, you know, there's this saying that has been around for many, many years. Only what you do for Christ will last. Only what you do for Christ will last. Everything else is is really not built on anything solid. There is no solid foundation there. So therefore, it's not going to last. It's not going to stand. When the strong winds go by, it's not going to last. And, you know, my grandmother used to say, it's going to be built on wood, stubble, and hay. That means it's not going to have any strong foundation. So when life comes through and really gives you something that you need to really hold on to, it's not going to be there. And these days and times, with the way the enemy is moving, you're going to have to have something strong. Because if not, you're going to be knocked down. You're not going to last. And we can't afford to not be strong in this life, in this world here, right here, that we're living in. Because the enemy is coming from every direction, every shape, form, or fashion. You know, it's really going to have to be something that's made up in your mind to do what God would have you to do. And if that's not what it's going to be, 
you really need to get rid of it. If it's not something that's solid, if it's not something that's real, then you might as well go ahead and give it up. And I, I can't imagine these days living um, a life where it's not something that's solid. It can't be. It can't be. Your life can't be made of something that's like water. It has to be something that's solid. Even the Bible tells us we can't walk around, you know, drinking milk for the rest of our life. We can't. We cannot walk around drinking, you know, milk and not eating anything solid. So every time something comes through, you know, you're not going to be able to handle it. You ever seen somebody like that? It's like whatever little bit happens, they're shivering. They not, I mean, every little thing that comes by, it's like it just blows them over. And I'm like, good Lord, what are you made of? That's because on the outside, there's that persona. The persona that, that they have tried to make you believe that they're strong and they can handle it and so forth and so on. But, uh, you know, that persona is not something that's made from God. Whatever God has is real. God does not have a persona. God is who he is, and that's, that's all she wrote, as they say. So come on, let's get ourselves together, and let's live the life that God has designed us to live. Let's live a life that is strong, that is valid. When somebody looks at you, when someone talks to you, when someone deals with you, it's exactly what, you know, it's meant to be. Exactly what it is. It is not something that is going to go poof. Because, see, that's the enemy. The enemy has a persona. The persona is that he, you know, what he has to offer is going to be everlasting. What he has to offer is something that can't be broken. Whatever he has to offer is is real. That's a persona. Something that's made to look like it's one thing, but in actuality, it's another so we got to get rid of that thing. Because if we're saying we are people of God, then whatever whatever we give people can't be a persona. It's got to be it's got to be the real deal. So, are you ready for that life? Or are you ready to get rid of the persona? Ah. So, a switch tip. Nice little switch tip. Well, that's how we spend our Monday morning. Today, today, today is Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folk Day. Now, I got to tell you, I normally come locked and loaded with news because I need to be able to talk. But I got to tell you. I really don't have anything today. I don't have anything that's like, wow, worthy. 
Oh, we gotta have something wild worthy on Tuesdays because I gotta always stand up to my uh, pastoral team, and I don't really have anything today. So you gonna have to help me out. Now that's the way I'm starting off. Now the way I'll end up uh, might be something different. So you're gonna have to really give me a hand today. Uh, so go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, go nowhere because we'll be right back. Nearly every hour of every day, one person will lose their life to oral cancer. This year alone, more than 34,000 Americans will be diagnosed. Only half will still be alive in five years. Oral cancer is more common than leukemia and kills more people each year than cervical or skin cancer. Tragically, many victims don't even know they're in danger. So tobacco and alcohol increase risk. 25% of those diagnosed have no risk factors. Scientists are learning more about this disease and developing new ways to treat it. But what can you do now to stop the silent killer? Early detection. A quick, painless oral cancer screening takes less than five minutes and can save your life. For more information, contact your dentist or visit DeltaDentalNJ.com today. Morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And today is Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folk Day. Ah, I'm grateful to God for ushering us into a wonderful Tuesday morning. But I'm kind of like, today. I don't have anything to really talk about. So I'm going to have to rely on our our little due time crew to hold it down today and give me something to talk about. You know, I always normally come up with stuff to talk about, but let's turn that around today. So I thank you so much for being with me and giving God the glory out of our life today. All right? So let's get to chat. What are we talking about? Well, yeah, we're starting early this morning. I don't have anything to really talk about. Well, you know, we're always talking about the kids and, and the stuff that they do that's a menacing act and things like that. Well, today is a little different. We're going to start off 
with something a little different today. We have a seventh grader in Michigan who is, you know, being mentioned in the news because he stepped up in a big way. Well, his bus driver, his bus driver was on the way to school, taking them to school. And he, unfortunately, became lightheaded and lost consciousness, they say. And he jumped, the little boy, seventh grader, jumped into the driver's seat after he saw the driver in distress and found a way to stop the bus. Okay, found a way to stop the bus safely. Now, that's a whole lot because if the bus driver's already sitting in the seat, he's already occupying the space of the brake, uh, the steering wheel. So we're going to give God thanks this morning that, you know, we had this little quick-thinking young man who, you know, really jumped and... uh Got into action. You know, I guess it it, kind of pays to teach them how to drive or to show them, you know, how it is to uh, be behind the wheel because that could have really ended up badly. Really could have ended up badly. So we're going to give God thanks for that movement right there. Let's see what else is going on. Boy, I don't have any news today, and I feel it. I feel it. Okay. Now, this here is a bit twisted. So, you have these two missing teen girls that have been found dead. And they've been found dead alongside five other people on some property out in Oklahoma. And they say the police recovered the bodies of Ivy Webster, who's 14, and Brittany Brewer, 16. And they had been missing from Sunday in Tulsa. And they say, along with them, the police had found the corpse of a Jesse McFadden, a 39-year-old registered sex offender who had spent 16 years in prison for rape and was scheduled for trial on Monday on charges of soliciting child porn. Now, they say that the girls had last been seen with this registered sex offender. Now, here's the part that kind of got my attention that was quite disturbing. They say that Ivy Webster's father told the news 
that his daughter had gone to spend the weekend with this McFadden and his family before without incident. Yeah, I needed to give you a chance to let that marinate a little bit. Okay, so let me say that again. Ivy Webster and Brittany Brewer, Ivy's 14, Brittany's 16, they were both missing. They were found dead on some property out in a place near Tulsa, Oklahoma, along with some other people who were also found dead. Another person who was found dead with them was 39-year-old registered sex offender, James McFadden. Now, it has been said that the two girls were found, that had been seen with him last. The father of the 14-year-old says that she had been with the sex offender's family to spend the weekend before, previously, but nothing had happened. Now, what kind of mess is this? You send the girl over there. Now, it doesn't say whether she was over at the house before he was found to be a sex offender, whether she was over at the house after she was a sex he was found to be a sex offender but I don't think I would have told anybody that she had been over at the house before because he had spent 16 years in prison for rape well you know it couldn't have been before because she's only 14 years old so if you do the math That means that since he's been home, he's allowed her to go over there with his family to the sex offender's family. So, I don't think I would have told anybody that. Because then that means you didn't do your homework. I remember growing up, you couldn't go spend no night in nobody's house. That was just something that was not happening. That was not happening. Listen, we couldn't even go over to somebody's house during the daytime. Did anybody have that experience? Like you would ask to go, you would ask to go over to somebody's house, and your mother would be like, "Well, what you going over there for?" <laughs> and you're like, "I just want to go over there." You you could do that in your own house. <laughs> okay, all right. I got one yes. You, it was just, that wasn't something that you did. You just didn't go over sitting over at people's house. So even, you know, when I was raising my own girls, you know, they would say, can I go to somebody's house for what? We just go over to watch movies. You can watch movies at your own house. We just go over to do something. You can do that at your own house. It was just not something that you did. You just didn't go over to people's house like that. So I'm saying to myself, well, you know, when, when, okay, so, okay, so let, let's, let's play this out. So when somebody would ask to go over to somebody's house to spend a night, the first thing you would say is, I, 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 no, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't know who lived there. 
I don't know who got keys. I don't know. No, no we're not doing that. No. So who, who, who's there? Does she have a brother? You just had to ask these questions. So I can't imagine. I, you know, my daughter is later missing, you know, after she didn't spend the night at this man's house at one time or another. Because I'm trying to figure out, it didn't say that he said she spent the night over there with a girlfriend. And, oh, my goodness, we found out that he was a sex offender. No. Oh, you know, Mary spent time over there, you know, and nothing ever happened. Well, what kind of stuff is that? Boy, I don't have to tell you which side of the fence this is on. This is just too much. So now you find out that uh, while he was in jail, so now, okay, he just spent 16 years in prison for rape, right? So now he's on trial because they, he's going to, he's going back and forth to court because they were find, they were trying to find out whether he was guilty for sexting an underage girl on a contraband phone while he was incarcerated back in 2017. So clearly he was a creep all along. Because if he's 39 now, but wait, let's see. Oh, okay, now, okay, okay. Y'all gonna have to help me with this one. All right, he's 39 years old when he's murdered, right? So now he just spent 16 years in jail already. Back in 17, which would be six years ago, he's now, what, 33? And he's sexting, uh, accused of sexting an underage girl on a contraband phone. How you even get to a phone with a 17-year-old if you have been in jail all that time? And you gonna sit and calmly say that when, when your daughter is found dead with her friend, and this man and some other people, oh, you know, she had spent the night over uh, over at his house without incident before. These people are stupid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just a little too much for me. That's a little too much for me. So now everybody dead. Everybody's dead. Her, the girlfriend, 16-year-old friend, the 39-year-old pedophile, and other people. So they don't even know what happened. They have no idea what has happened. Never, 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 never. So what ended up happening was when he didn't show up to court, they issued a bench warrant. And they said the authorities showed up at his house and property on Monday searching for the missing girls. So they don't know if that's where they found the body or if it was another place. And they don't know who the other victims are, the other people who were dead. But all of them dead on the on the property. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. 
What else are we talking about today? I told you that, but that's, I think that's my most exciting news for today. Somebody just sent me something, but I don't know if I have any time to read it before it's time for me to talk. Because you know, I always got to study my news. Uh, let's see. Okay. We got an update on the news from yesterday. So yesterday, I did the story about the guy who was on the porch shooting, remember? And they said that this is something that he had done other times. They could tell by the amount of shell casings on his property. And when the family went over there to ask, could he be quiet and stop shooting because the baby was over there sleeping, he told them, you know, well, I didn't tell you what they told him yesterday. He told them yesterday because that wasn't in yesterday's report. So I have an update. I have an update. But anyway, he ended up killing every, you know, several people in the house. He went over to the house. He ended up shooting, you know, several people with it. You know, the assault rifle, including an eight-year-old child. Yeah. Well, there's an update to that story. So, friends, Cisco Oropisa, at least that's the way I'm saying the name. And you may have heard this. If you watch the news, I'm sure this stuff was on the news. I don't watch the news, so this is how I got to give you the news. Uh, So he's still a fugitive as of now or at least as of last night. So they say that he was reportedly deported from the United States five times prior to the massacre. How you deported five times but end up back here and back here long enough to murder all these people. So they say that he was in this country illegally at the time of the shooting and had previously re-entered the country illegally multiple times following his deportation. So clearly ICE ain't doing their job properly. So this 38-year-old Oropisa, they say, again, was approached by the neighbors. He didn't like, you know, the fact that he was approached. And he told them to get out of his yard. He was going to do what he wanted to do. And that's when he went over to the house and he started shooting. So they still have this manhunt on um, and these people are saying you know well the um, what, do you, what do you call these people? The FBI. The FBI are saying they're looking for him but they don't know where he is and not only do they not know where he is but they ain't got they said they got zero leads. Now, how do you get back and forth? That's the thing I'm trying to figure out. So, they said that 
he's here from Mexico. At one point, he was here legally on a consulate card from Mexico. And he ended up overstaying. And can't nobody give any decent answers as to how he ends up here. But five, he was deported five times. Five times. How do you get how do you get to go back and forth five times and nobody sees you coming back over here? You coming over in a canister? You know, I, I don't understand. Cause I mean, come on, it's only so many ways you can come over here without dying first. Am I making any sense? <laughs> I don't get it. 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 Somebody help me out here. How can come on, come on, come on, come on. Y'all know how to get to me. Get to Shanti. She'll get to me. How do you come over here five times undetected? He's been deported five times. Now I would like to think that if you're deported, they've got your picture, they've, you know, they got your fingerprints. So when you come over here, if you're coming over here semi-legally, you got to show some kind of credential. So they, they didn't say that he looks any differently than he looked when he came here the first time. They're not saying he's altered, you know, anything. He don't have a mustache, but he did. He, you know, he didn't have a mustache, but he does now. He's got longer hair, shorter hair, wears glasses, you know, changed the eye color. They haven't said any of this stuff. They have not said any, uh, uh, there's been any any indication of some modified features, a look. You know, he cut off his legs. He's now... Six inches taller, longer, shorter. It, it, it's none of this stuff. And 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 here's why I, I'm I'm talking like this because your negligence, your negligence, has just caused how many people's lives? Your negligence. Now, now let me tell you why else this is annoying and sickening. They said when they went over to the house, they could tell that this wasn't the first time he had been out there shooting. That this must be his pastime from all the shell casings in the yard, right? How in the world have you made it a pastime to stand on your front porch? Let me show you how bold these people are. Because you know what? America is a joke to them. Now, you've been deported five times, but you are bold and brazen enough to stand out on your your front porch. So that means that he'd been there for a minute. Now, I doesn't say he owns it or whatever, but it, he'd have been there for a minute because they did not say he just moved there. They, oh, that was the first time seeing him. 
they said this was his pastime. Where have you been all the other times he been out there firing off this gun that he didn't left that many shell cases? Nobody called you prior to the other night when the people were dead? How long has this been going on that a man who was deported five times could feel that confidence to stand out on his front porch and fire off a gun and not even worry about being picked up. So now it explains why he's, you know, as they say, in the wind. Now this makes sense as to why he's now hidden because he didn't got some of his Mexican friends to hide him because somebody didn't help him get over here. Somebody that helped him stay here. You 38 years old. You didn't been here five hundred times. Oh, you know somebody. You, you, you ain't here by yourself. You got a baby mama or somebody here. Now, I mean, y'all tell me if I'm crazy. Because this here is quite disturbing. Because remember now, for months, for months, for months, Ever since last year, they've been allowing 38,000 people here a month. How many more fugitives are walking around the United States that are now asylum seekers? So we got our own crazies walking around here, and we got the new crazies walking around here. How many of them have been deported several times? Because to be honest, you can't say it hasn't happened. You can't say that none of those people have been deported, haven't been deported previously. How has this one managed to get over not once, not twice, not three, but five times? I don't even think I would have wanted to tell that story. Well, the last thing they needed to let happen was for the news to get a, uh, the media to get a hold of that one. That is even more disturbing. Now, you talk about lawsuits? Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Lawsuit 101. Oh, we having a grand party against the United States. Because somebody owes somebody an explanation. This is out right madness out right madness so I don't know I don't know somebody talk to me y'all mighty quiet I need y'all to talk to me today because like I told you I ain't got no news I think this is like my last news story believe it or not and it's not even my normal time to finish my new story. Pastor Charlene is not with us today. She's she's well. She's well. But she's not going to be with us today. So we've got uh, our girl Shanti on with us. Uh, Pastor KL has just joined us. So he missed the news. <laughs> he missed the news. So I can't even get him riled up. Because I'm already riled up. So... I'm going to talk to my girl, Shanti, and then Pastor KL can join us, and uh, maybe by then Pastor Jeff will be on, so uh, let's see what's going on.
Good morning, Shanti. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? That's good. I'm okay, thank you. I'm okay. Now, let's see. Let's talk about the first story. So you got the two girls who are missing, 14 and 16 years old. Pay attention, Pastor KL, because I'm coming to you. 14 and 16 years old, and they're looking for these young girls. Well, they're missing. They're missing. They somehow or another, they end up looking for the girls. This new story is not that clear. With uh, They end up finding them dead on the property with this 39-year-old registered sex offender who has spent 16 years in prison for rape. Now, he was scheduled to go to trial on Monday on charges of soliciting child porn. Now, here's the charge. While he was in jail back in 2017, they said that they caught him sexting an underage girl on a contraband phone while he was in jail. So it shows that he got locked up 16 years ago for rape and he's a pedophile. Okay? Because he's 33 and he's texting somebody, sexing somebody the age of 17. Well, when they find the girls on the property dead with him and some other people, they don't identify the other individuals. They de- just identify the three. The two girls, 114, 116, and the 39-year-old sex offender. The father of the 14-year-old says, and I quote, that his daughter had gone to spend the weekend with the sex offender and his family <laughs> previously without incident. Is that the first thing you say? Now somebody says, well, Stephanie, how you know that's the first thing? Listen, I don't even think I would have told somebody that Mm -hmm. my daughter has spent the night over at the sex offender's house and his family. Uh, He just got out of jail. So that means that you didn't do no research, no nothing. Where she spent the night, I don't think I would have told. Would you have told somebody that? Absolutely not. I would have to die with that secret or that bit of information. Because no part of that sounds, you know, even if she, you know, didn't pass, no part of that makes, you know, sense or sounds good. It just shows how negligent we were. Somebody dropped the ball. Now, here's the thing. He also didn't say, oh, you know, well, my my daughter was friends with his daughter. And, you know, I, I would have never thought that her, her father was a victim. I would have had to say that much. I would have had to say something, if I'm going to say something, I would have had to say something about the fact that you know, she was friends with the daughter or the son or somebody. 
and and how she ended up there. I would just kept that piece of information to myself. I would really kept that information to myself. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I really that that is so disturbing, Shantice. You know, I, I talked about the fact that when you know I was growing up, you know, you you couldn't ask to go to somebody's house. That that was just a no no. You don't even bother. Because the first thing mm-hmm. you were told was, okay, well, you can do that in your own house. So that kind of followed, you know, followed suit. You know, well, you could have done that in your own house. That's what I used to tell y'all. <laughs> you could do that in your own house. No, you, you used to just look like, okay, well, they, I guess, a slumber party over here. You know, we never asked for anyone to go to anyone's house, even if it was just to go there for a few hours that you didn't know their parents or anything. So it was nothing for you to say, oh, well, they can come here and spend the night. It's not like you have to get to know them and their their parents and their family. You know, no, they they can come over here. That's one. Yeah. That's the main reason why this house is always the house of the block because it's like we ain't going nowhere. Everybody come here. If you ain't good enough because, to come you, here, you ain't good enough to be around us, and that's it. Absolutely. And and you see why? Because you just didn't mm-hmm. know what was going on in somebody's house. I remember I remember mm-hmm. clearly saying stuff like, "Well, who lives there?" <laughs> well, I, I remember. I remember that they, they got an older yeah. brother. They got an older brother. They got this. They got that. No, no, no. Okay, no. And then God forbid I asked you today for next year. That was just too short of a notice for you to think of everything. So. It was just easier for everybody to just come here. Yeah, you know, and now you see, you know, sometimes when you're going through those things with your parents, you know, you don't you don't see, you know, what what they were talking about. But now, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember always saying, well, who got keys? Because you just don't mm-hmm. know. You just don't know. And this here, this to me, negligence one-on-one. I'm, t- I, I, I'm with you. I would have had to die with that little piece of information. Thank you for getting mm-hmm. started here. I'm gonna to go to my man, yeah. and I'm coming back. We got to talk about this next piece of information here. Thank you so much for joining us and filling in the gap for us today. Let's say good morning to our Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor KL. Well, praise the Lord, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Now, I don't have anything to talk about today, but I do have two stories that are very, very, very disturbing. Pastor Jeff has just joined us, so I got to tell the story all over again to make sure that he gets the information. You know, they, they have this, these, these three people, well, not these three people, a total of about seven or eight people who were found dead on some property out in uh, Oklahoma. So it's eight people in total, the three people that we're talking about and the five other people on the property who they do not identify. 14-year-old Ivy Webster, 16-year-old Brittany Brewer were found dead alongside Jesse McFadden, the 39-year-old registered sex offender who has just spent 14, I'm sorry, 16 years in prison for rape. And he was scheduled to go to trial on Monday for um, on a charge that while he was in jail in 2017, he was caught sexting 
um, an underage girl on a contraband phone. So they find, find the three of them dead on the property. They say that the last time these girls were seen, they were alive. They were seen with him. He doesn't show up for trial on Monday, so they send out a bench warrant. And as they're looking, they find the three of them dead. So they, they speak to the father of the 14-year-old, and he says that his daughter had gone to spend the weekend with the sex offenders family before without incident. So what are you waiting for? Were you, were you waiting to hear this? I don't know. I don't know. I personally would have kept this information to myself. I don't know. Would you have told this to the media? I definitely would not have told this to the media. This would have been something that I'd, I would have just been guilty in my heart, in my conscience, in my mind. That it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have gone farther than my body. It wouldn't have gone through my mouth. You know, when, when I was just talk, I was talking to the the the, the open world, <laughs> our listeners, and I did. You just heard me talking to Sean Teach. You know, we were growing up. You know, we just weren't allowed to, to be going over to nobody's house. And this is stuff that you did and spend the night. Oh, just was not going down. Did you go to the same thing? See, I, I remember a lot of conversations. You know, my mother used to say, do they have a TV? Yes, my they got a TV. You got a TV. Do they have a refrigerator? Yes, my they got You got a TV. You know, I mean, do they have your own room? They don't have your own room, Mom, but you got your own room. You know, and, and then, you know, on, on the other side of, of that coin, you know, can, 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 can she come over? Sure, she can come over. But behind can I spend a night? So don't wait till you get Shanti to the house, and then I'll come up into my room saying it's too late. Right. Did Shanti stay over? No, Shanti's about to find a ride. She's trying to get her mama or get on the bus. I'm not driving Shanti home. Shanti should know what yep. time it is now. She knew what time it was, it was getting to, so she should have made yep. provisions. Shanti yep. cannot stay. I'm telling you, before Shanti gets to the house, Shanti <laughs> cannot spend the night. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Those conversations definitely took place. You were not trying to pull the okie doke on your mama to my oh it's like oh it right. is? Well you, does she know her house number? Mm. Let us start making a phone call. Somebody gonna have to come pick her up. And I'm not getting dressed and leaving my house to take nobody home. Mm-hmm. Yes, mama told you that, Pastor KL. If, it, 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 if it, she starts to walk crazy. now, she'll make it before the morning. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? You did try to pull all kinds of stuff like that, you know, or they did. You mm-hmm. got to, you know, pull stuff like that. And you just got the, the, the warning before you even got the thought. <laughs> right. Don't even fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, that means that when she spent the night at this pedophile's house or this rapist's house, you didn't do your homework. You didn't do your homework. You didn't do your homework. If he just was caught in 2017 and he's just going to trial for this now, that means he just got out not that long ago. 
So what homework did you do to find out that when she was spending the night that it was even safe for her? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just us. Maybe it's just, it's just the three of us. Let's see if it's Pastor Jeff. Let's see if, if, if he went through some of this stuff. Good morning, Pastor Jeff. Good morning. Good morning. How you, are you? You don't even have to ask whether it was about me with that. Because... <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I'm not gonna play with my kids. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do my homework. I'm gonna, you know. Okay. Uh, even if I can't find nothing out, if you just look funny, you my my child can't. He can't come nowhere near you. you okay. Know? Even at mm. 17. Even though that mm. in New York that's the legal age. I, I'm still I'm still ready to get you if you you know if you look funny. You know. I don't I don't understand these uh, parents though. I don't I don't understand. I mean, I just, I don't, I see a lot of that. They letting their kids stay over places. A lot of these places are safe havens for the pedophile, for the rapist. Right, right. You know? And if I know that, if I know it ain't no type of biblical standards, God in your home, you know, I don't even want my kids to even come over there in the daylight. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So I'm, when I'm, you were growing I'm up, very hard on that because... Good. Good. No, go, 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 go. No, I'm saying I'm just very hard on that because I, you know, half the people I counseled just seemed like it was just so much of that, and parents wasn't up on nothing, and so much happened, you know. Till I'm, you know, I'm a real stickler for that. And we have to be. We have, and we see why. We have to be because if you don't do your homework, this now you got eight people dead. And no answers. No answers. The, the, the little friend, she dead. The pedophile, he dead. Five other people, they dead. So you have absolutely no answers. So now the the you, you don't know who they killed these people. You don't know if later on we're going to find out if somebody killed everybody and then killed himself. We, you, you have no answers at this point. And now your daughter is a part of eight people who are dead including someone who's a pedophile and a rapist and you have no answers and you can't even guess as to what happened. Now, when you were growing up, Pastor Jeff, what was it like for you to spend the night at someone else's house? Were you allowed? No, we weren't allowed because my stepfather had, you know, had a bad experience when he was a child with, somebody trying to rape him so it was like he he was hard on that he wouldn't he wouldn't let us spend nights out but our home was the home that a lot of people could come to though you know okay you know everybody come to our house so okay. you know he, he was hard on that and i and i guess that's why i'm hard on that okay okay well again it makes sense it makes sense unfortunately someone's near experience was, you know, the catalyst for that not happening here, you know. So like Shanti said, you know, I, I, it was safer for me to let y'all come over here and, y- yeah, you just just, just just let so-and-so come over here because you know, y'all ain't going nowhere else. You know, you just can't trust people. And, you know, I, I never understood those people who, you know, they would end up at your house, but yet you'd have to ask, well, what? 
call your mother. It's like did nobody asked any questions. They didn't call you. No, very few people rang my phone. And I'm like, well, you gonna have to call your mother because you can't stay if I didn't talk to your mother. And, and you just look at the negligence of, of parents. And you, I, I used to scratch my head all the time. I'm like, ooh, you couldn't do none of this. And my girls ain't doing none of that. So I don't know. I don't know. All righty. Well, I need the three of y'all to think of something else to talk about after this particular uh, story because I have nothing else to talk about today. I have one. I, I do have a topic, but I'm so bored with the topic. I don't know. I have that. So the three of y'all think of something. I'm sure. I'm sure, Pastor Jeff, you got a story for us. So we, we, you, you don't ever let us down. But before we get to the three of you thinking of something, yesterday we did the story about the the fugitive in Texas who was out on his um, porch shooting, you know, the gun off, and the neighbors came by and asked him to please stop shooting um, and making the noise because they had the baby next door that was sleeping. Uh, you know, cussed at them, <laughs> sent them back to their house and followed them and ended up, um, you know, shooting and killing several people, including an eight-year-old. Now, overnight, when uh, they revealed, you know, and it was in last night's news, that this Francisco Oropisa, 38 years old, had been deported five times. From the United States. Now, I've already been on my rant because <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how bold were you that and confident that you could literally stand out on your porch, shoot off these guns, and they said they knew that that was not the only night he had done that because they had so many shell casings in the yard they could tell that this is what he did on a regular. So if he did this on a regular, no cops ever showed up previously or prior to the, the, the shooting of the neighbors. He was standing out there bold and brazen. He didn't even care about getting caught at the time. And now that, you know, now the murders have happened, now he's running, which explains why he's running. But what does this say for the United States and how these people are just coming in and out the country and you've deported them. They're not coming in and out on their own. Oh, because I want to go back and visit my family because I want to go back and take care of business. You have literally been deported. They have put you out the country, but you have found a way to come back into the country. Pastor KL, what does that say for our, our, our are we safe? What kind of negligence are we dealing with? That, that, oh my God, that, that's negligence personified. I mean, either that or we're just at a place where we just don't care. You know, you're not keeping any of us safe. You know, I, I, I don't know how you can be put out and then get, find your way to come back in. What, what type of security do we have? You know, in, in in our in our own uh, situation, what 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 is put in place? That that to me, that's totally negative, and and we should all we should all be uh, afraid of. Absolutely, 
especially at 38,000 people per month being allowed to come across the border. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As Brother I would say, oh, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Pastor Jeff, what comes across your mind when you think about someone who has slid in and out this country for five for five times, at least five times, and yet you were allowed to come here long enough and that many times to end up killing a family. And just, just it's the the what do you call it? the the bleeding heart Democrat. <laughs> we we you know we we want to let everybody into the country and take care of everybody, you know, and all of that. You know, and and when we're so focused on that, we're not focused on dealing with the other side of that coin. You know, with with these countries sending us, you know, the the worst people they have, put them out of their country and sending them over here, and it just shows how easy it is to get over here and to operate like that. I mean, him shooting off his gun all the time, he wasn't even a citizen. So how easy it is to get guns and how we feel yep. about, you know. Sh- Shooting our guns, you know how, how we 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 more concerned about keeping our gun rights, you know, than protecting people, you know. So it just goes to show. It's, it's, what do you call the the chickens come home to roost? <laughs> so, yeah. Like like they said back in uh, you know Malcolm X said about Kennedy. <laughs> I mean that's just what's happening. It's backfiring on us, you know, and we value. You know, that more than we value life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shatis, you know, as a younger person, what, you know, what, how safe do you feel with all of this back and forth illegally coming back and forth? Not safe at all because they're just giving all this leeway to do what seems right in their eyes to do. Not only are you here illegally, but you're loud. You're illegally loud. Like, instead of you just, you know, okay, I know I'm here on the low. I'm not supposed to be here. My papers ain't right. Or, you know, whatever your current status is, you're now out here doing all of this. Even if, you know, there weren't any guns involved, but you just being, you know, everyone has that one loud neighbor or that one obnoxious neighbor, like, there's just no, because they can get away with doing whatever. A citizen wouldn't have been able to do that and do it over and over and over and over. And then, you know, even if, you know, the the last incident wasn't something like this where, you know, they then shot up the, the family or whatever, but it, it couldn't have been all of that. They, they just, they, they're given so much leeway, they can just do whatever, which is why they do it. Because it's like, I can, so... I'll push my luck a little bit because most likely I'm going to just either get a slap on the wrist if I even get that or ain't nobody going to say anything or it it is what it is. It's crazy. You can't feel safe knowing that they're so confident in doing what they do because they're not oblivious. Mm. Of course, if I was able to slide in and out this country... Five times. I know how to get in. 
I know how they're going to put mm-hmm. me out, but I know how to get back in. And, mm-hmm. and again, that level of confidence that says, I'm going to shoot this gun off in my yard as a regular practice, and nobody, the fact that somebody had to come next door and ask you, or they felt they had to come mm-hmm. next door and ask you. Let me let, let, let me ask you, and uh, on yesterday, and I did ask this question, so I'm going to ask you all today. Would you have gone next door to ask him, now, you don't know whether he's here legally or not, but you have a baby who's trying to sleep. This is a person who's been shooting over there, not just today, not just now, but other times. And I want my baby to get some rest, and I'm going to come over and ask you to please stop firing off your gun and making all this noise. Which, you So my baby could sleep. Would you have asked that question? No. But you shooting? You, the cops would have been asking uh, whatever question. No, absolutely not. That is correct, especially if I'm not going over there shooting while I'm asking. You know, that, that That's one thing. If I'm walking over there shooting, like, why are you shooting? Like how your parents used to beat you and they hit you with the syllable. If I'm pulling the trigger as I'm talking, then maybe that's one thing. But I'm going over there empty-handed to act like, what, what part of that plan made sense? They have a weapon, and you're going over there empty-handed. Okay, you find it in your heart to just, uh, you know, shoot a little lower. What? No. That made no sense. No. All righty. Pastor Jeff, would you have gone over to ask them to stop shooting so your baby could get some sleep? Most likely. I probably would, knowing me. But, but um, <laughs> the smarter thing would have been to call the police that they was disturbing the peace. You know, because I guess shooting off guns was all right in that area. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because it so is first I would have called. It's 11 o'clock at night, so it's like a, somebody throwing a party. I would have called you know, to, you know, disturbing the peace. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I, I would have done. I, I, I think I would have stuck with you and Shantice and the ladies from yesterday. Pastor KL, would you have gone over and asked politely? Well, well, you know, this, this is the way I see it. First of all, I'm with Chantice and, and Pastor Jeff. I would have called the police. Because, you know, I, I, as a newborn, you know, the baby really don't need that much sleep. You know, I, why, why go out there and risk my, my life for, for someone who doesn't even know about sleep? You know what I mean? I think sleep is overrated at that point. You know what I mean? Give, give them a heavy bottle with cereal in it. And, you know, and, 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 and try to see if that works out. But, I mean, for me to go over there for a two-month-old baby, he just got here. Listen, I've been without sleep for a long time. Nah, we mm, call the cops. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that was the smartest move. Like Shanti said, 
he is an active shooter at this point. He's standing out on the porch, actively firing off this gun. So already he has shown a level of mental instability. I'm now going to push the envelope. I said all the people in that house, we would have just had to take 10 turns rocking this baby back to sleep because I would not have done it either. Nah, nah, nah. We, we, you know, they showed the father, um, you know, uh, yesterday um, of the, uh, he said, he, I think he said, they said he lost, he lost the, well, one of the people that were there. I think it said that it, the eight-year-old son was his, the one who got, um, who was killed. That was his son, and I think his wife, um, I believe, I, I just kind of glanced past it, but I did see that it was definitely the one um, who uh, was the father to the eight-year-old. Now, I don't know if he was one who went over about the baby or not, but um, it did, he, they did show him, um, you know, saying that was the worst day of his life, and I could imagine, I could imagine um you know, you're losing your child to such a senseless uh, murder. Such a senseless murder. Okay. Raise your hand if you got something to talk about. Because I have to tell you, I'm dry today, but I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to talk. Who got something to talk about over there today? The three of you. The floor is open. You ain't going to get this opportunity very Bye. much. I, I got a question, and it might not be a church folk question, but I got a question that's been on my mind for a little while. And, and okay. maybe y'all, y'all can help me. So my question is, why is it that a mother will keep on having children and expect for the oldest child to raise it? Wow. The oldest child wow. has to babysit. The oldest child has to take him to school. The oldest child has to do all this stuff. When does the oldest child become a child? Okay, 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 okay. Well, I'll put that out on the floor. And now are we talking about, you said keep on having children. Do you mean like those mothers who just, when you look around, there's just a baby after another baby, or you're talking about they just had maybe another child, and now they're asking for that child to raise the young, the, the youngest child. Which one are you talking about? Well, we, we we can go with, with either one. I, I just say that, you know, what, okay, let's just say two children. If if you have a child and then six years later or seven years later you decide to have another child, how is it the responsibility of the oldest child? Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Pastor Jeff, why don't you take this one first? Well, that's a little sore subject to me. That's kind of how my mama did me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh God! Never without a story, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, we it was five of us. You know, my mother had three, and then. You know, then she gets married and has two more, and and I'm the oldest boy. My sister is a year and a half older than me, and we always were taking care. Me and my sister was always taking care of the younger ones, and and I used to get mad at my mother. Like, why would you have to have all these kids? I used to tell her. 
you know, and, and I didn't think it was fair. You know, I always, I'm the one who had to run through the schools and almost get killed trying to protect my siblings, you know, because they got into so much. I, you know, I remember one time getting to my, my, one of my baby brother's school in time for a guy to get ready to plunge a knife into his back. Caught, Whoa. Caught the kid, stabbed him, you know, and another time going to my, my baby brother, run up to his school, and I get a guy pull a gun on me trying to protect my baby brother because he got into a fight at, at his school, you know, and I could have got shot. And, and I, you know, I can give him many stories because my mother left it for, you know, for me to take care of the kids, you know, more or less. And I, and I, I don't think it's fair, you know, and, and I kind of re- resent that probably to this day. You know what I'm saying? Because I couldn't really have a real childhood because I had to deal with all of that. When you would ask your mother that passage, Jeff, what did she say? Well, I don't want to say too much. My mother, pretty famous in the in the church world, so she's a bishop's <laughs> wife. She said. <laughs> Verbatim, just in gist, what was the you know kind of like the response? The response is, is all about her. <laughs> it ain't about <laughs> you. And that's just how that's just how it is to this day. You know that I gotta love her. That's my mother. <laughs> you know. No. Okay. Okay. We gonna rescue you, Pastor Jeff. We gonna rescue you. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> That was funny. Uh, thank you for your openness, Pastor Jeff. Shanti? Yes. Well, your Pastor response? Jeff, my mother's famous in the church world, too. But uh, <laughs> I don't ever have a problem talking. <laughs> this is my story. Um, no, a lot of that... You know, you have you have two sides of that, you know, where you have the the parents who are just straight up negligent. You know, their thing is, I'm going to do what I do, I'm, you know, whether it's careless or whether this is a plan to just have these kids and the oldest one is just going to hold it down because they ain't got no choice because I said so. And I'm going to go out and do me whether doing me is working or running the streets. But you got it, regardless of the age gap between the oldest and the other siblings. It could be a one-year gap or a bigger gap. And then you have the other parents where they figure, I'm going to ensure that you don't walk up in here with no babies. So now this is your responsibility. So, and today at 37, I have no kids. Amen. So sometimes it works. Um, <laughs> other times, you know, it doesn't, uh, it, it does at times when you're younger, it does, you know, take a hit to, to your psyche. But I ain't have the story of I ain't have no childhood. I still have childhood, and I still did what I did. Because if I cut school, my baby sister cut daycare. I'm not leaving the house to take you daycare, and I'm cutting school. So whatever I did, she did. And, you know, I knew I had a limit to my recklessness because I had her, not so much with my other sister because we were only five years apart, but definitely with the the youngest one. But, you know, it it has a lot to do with um, 
the relationship that the parent makes sure that they still have with, you know, with the oldest. And it's funny because I was actually watching, I don't know if anyone watched the the Roxanne Shantae biopic movie. That's on Netflix. Really, really good movie. And that's actually what happened with her. And she made really bad choices because she had to grow up quick. And finally broke down and said to her mother, like, I lost my childhood when you decided to live your life the way you chose to. And I just wanted to be a kid. And her mother had no choice but to acknowledge what she was saying and apologize, you know. So a lot of the times, for the most part, it's because the parent is just, you know, I want to do me and you're the oldest, so you should have this. You got this. It's sad, you know, but... It has everything to do with how the parent still deals with the child that will determine if that oldest sibling ends up being <laughs> real sick in the head or not. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you for your openness. Pastor you KL, um, you know, needless to say, you know, well, was that your experience? Is that why you're asking the question? Is that, Or is that something that you've been seeing? And you're wondering. Oh, well, that's that's just something that I've been seeing. I mean, that's not my experience. I ain't taking care of no kids. I didn't want to take care of my own kids. I know I wasn't taking care of my brother and sister. So yeah, that, that, <laughs> that definitely wasn't my, my my experience. You know what I mean? My brother and sister would have been locked in the closet with a bologna sandwich. But I mean, that's just me. You know, we we wasn't gonna have that problem. <laughs> but I, I just, you know, again, you know, a lot of you know that I work in retail, so I I see a lot of stuff happening. And I, and I see these little snotty-nosed two-year-olds with, 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 with the snotty-nosed nine-year-olds. You know what I mean? There's no parent around. There's no, there's no nothing. They just go to the store. They give you a grocery list. The child don't even know what's on the list because the child can't read. You know, the little two-year-old is running around the store, and the nine-year-old is, is I come over here for I spank you. I mean, how does a nine-year-old know that, that, that the, the solution is to spank a child at nine years old, you know, I, I, I'm just not understanding how, how these younger, older children are becoming parents and the parent is nowhere involved. And yet, if you put the, the child out of, out of the store or if you say something crazy to the, to the child, now the parent wants to come in like a superhero. Well, you should have been a superhero in the beginning when you know that you needed the bleach or you know you needed it. And then how do you send a nine-year-old boy in for a pack of tampons? I just don't understand what kind what what I, I don't understand. I don't understand. You don't know whether you need wings, whether you're flying, whether you need, you know, turtles. I mean, you don't know what, what you want. No wings or no tampons. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just saying, you know. We get the point, Pastor We get the point. We get your voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it, 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 it just frustrating. It's just frustrating for me. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, it's frustrating. You know, I'll, I, I, I will actually throw my hat uh, into the ring. Um, I was not a parent who ran the streets or whatever. I did, um, you know, uh, uh, leave Chantis, um, uh uh, Tamasia in the care um, of Shanti. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was not a planned thing. Ended up seeing the little, you know, seeing some things. You know, as a parent, 
sometimes you see some things and, you know, you, you try to confront it from, you know, a, a certain angle, maybe sometimes without saying much. And, you know, she says, you know, to this day, you know, <laughs> you know, that responsibility um, helped her, you know, and it, it says she's 37 years old now, she doesn't have a kid. Um, you know, that wasn't to prevent her from having children at 37, but definitely, you know, you, you, you kind of have, your, would I do it again today? I don't know. I, you know, and I have to be honest, you know, what I saw then, what I did then, like I said, I wasn't the type that just ran the street, never. Um, you know, I never, she never had to major. She didn't know where I was. Um, one of the things that did end up happening was, uh, Tamaja's father became extremely ill um, when she was a, a, a two. She was two. So that constant, every day I was going to the hospital, things like that. Um, so I did have to rely on Shanti's to pick Tamaja up um, because that's just the, the, the activity at the time. So that was part of what, what did go on. But like I said, the other the other aspect of it, you know, would I do it again? I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and it's because, again, it wasn't from, you know, me running the street, negligent, I'm going to do, live my life, I didn't have kids, and now I'm going to do me and things like that. Um, you know, did it teach her some level of responsibility? Did part of what I, uh, what I was trying to accomplish work? Yeah. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it did. Um you know, so you know, past that, here it here she's twenty five now, so I can't really speak for much of, you know, what happened back then. And like I said, you know, I, I don't know. You know, part of my brain probably forgets some of the things. Part of my brain remembers some of the stuff. But I did see some things. Like you said, she cut school. Had I known that it was going to be that extreme, you know, you 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 do little the little things you do to combat it. You know, she cuts school and or you try to do something to try to make them a little more responsible. So not everybody, cause she cuts daycare. The little one cuts daycare. You cut high school. <laughs> so did, did it really work at one point? No. But, again, you know, for, for the parent, speaking from the parent who, you know, did not, you know, necessarily um, do that for the sake of just doing me. Um, and, and she would have had to have known, you know, and I would like to think that at this age, she would know that it wasn't, you know, it had to be some level of a plan because she did, like she said, she does have a sister who's five years younger than she, and I, that was not the, the deal. I didn't leave her with her and things like that. You know, they grew up together. We all moved together. So it was a little different dynamic. So you know, I, I think, I do think that it's extremely negligent to see some of these um, things happen. Here's what I thought you were asking, Pastor Kale, which is one of my questions um, that I've had. Those women who have had, like, I mean, straight multiple children, 10, 11 kids, and they keep having kids knowing you physically can't take care of all these kids. So now the older ones must help with the younger ones because you can't do it. That is what I thought you were asking because I've always had that question as well. How are you on to your, like, ninth and 10th and 11th kids 
and now you you know you're at the point where the older ones have to be the mother because you can't be the mother to everybody because you you so weighed down that there's no way in the world you could really do all of that. So here's the topic to that, Pastor. How is it that you're on your ninth and tenth child? You're on the system, getting all this money for them, and the only child can't get no allowance. You know, <laughs> and he or she is taking he or she is taking care of the child. That's a job. Why they can't get no money? They can't even get a fruit roller. <laughs> you know, it 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 it's it's crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. I I'm trying to think of the psyche of the person who keeps having children. And since we talk about church folk, that's one of the things with church people that I never understood. You see some of these people with big families. And it's like, well, ain't no birth control. Well, you know, the Lord, you know, the Lord just keeps letting me, you know, he keeps adding to the fold. And I'm like, well, you can't take care of the kids. How is that the Lord? The first scripture they learn. Is be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> I don't that I that one is the question. When you see these church people with these huge families, and when it when the question ever hits the floor about you know containing the membership of the family, and all they say is, "Well, if the Lord didn't want me to have no more, He would stop them." I don't know. What's your thought on that one, Pastor Kale? Listen, my whole thing is stop having these children. First of all, two two things I look at. You got this big old family coming to church and the daddy ain't around. Now, if the daddy's in the picture, he with all them children, he needs to come to church. He needs Jesus. He needs Jesus more than anybody else. <laughs> So so you keep on having these children by all these different men, no fathers involved, and you putting all this pressure on God. Come on. He got enough stuff to deal with. You putting all you this know pressure what? on Jesus? I can't. I can't. <laughs> he got enough to deal with. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm leaving you last for this one, Pastor Jeff, because I know you probably know somebody. <laughs> Oh, you can you can give us an example, but Shanti, you know, I, I'm sure you've seen, you know, and we're talking about the the family that does come to church. We're not talking about that that woman who keeps having all these, you know, multiple kids with different fathers, but that family mm-hmm. who you know is in church, and you know their their thought process is, you know, well. The Lord, you know, the Lord, you know, is, you know, is, is, it keeps adding. And I'm like, oh, my God. But you can't handle the amount of kids you got. How is that the Lord? I don't get it. Now, I'm, don't, you know, far fear from me what the conversation is between y'all and the Lord. But from the outside, I'm looking at the struggle. And I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out, well, is this a plan of the Lord? The guy is looking at the struggle, too. In his head. <laughs> Like, right. look at your right. plan. Look at, look at your Thank plan. You. This is your plan. <laughs> no, it's it's ridiculous. And then the church has to deal with your kids. 
so the 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 mama does doesn't ever have that in mind. You come in with your your unruly plan, and now this just infects the service and the peace within <clears throat> the service and the fellowship lunch and all of it. No, <laughs> no, because you. You you that's a very important part of the thing. You you never see Yes. That is serious. That is an important part of the service and the and Sabbath day. Okay? And you don't ever really see this type of situation where the where the children you know, you're not expecting for any child or family, whether it's a two parent home or whatever, for everyone to just be in complete decency and order. However, they are just everywhere. There is no order. There is no. It, it's just all, all over the place. You, you very, very rarely see where it's just like okay, the mom and the kids, and you know the kids are well behaved for the most part. It's just chaotic. You got one that's extremely disrespectful, and the others may be following. It, it's just a, a mess. Because this was your plan. And you bringing your plan to church. <laughs> every week. Every week is eventful. Uh, you know, Pastor Jeff, we, we've seen this, you know, where the, the family just keeps growing and growing and growing. Whether it's unruly, whether it's financially sound. What's your thought? They say it's the Lord. <laughs> uh, listen, the Bible said whatever you bind on earth, I'm buying in heaven. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think a whole lot, whole lot of binding need to be done in that area. You know, it's just a free fall. <laughs> so, you know, I I have uh, three kids. One's thirty six. One will be eighteen this month, and one is nine. I spread I spread them apart just like that because I you know I wanted to be able to take care of them, <laughs> and I wasn't gonna leave it to faith and everything else. I counted up the cost, you know. <laughs> so I, I don't understand. There's a whole lot of faith going on in that area, especially in the church. Oh, gosh. He said especially in the church. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You know, okay, so Shanti's brought up something that I want to ask, especially you two men. You know, this unruliness, you know, can you honestly expect to be able to, um, you know, you're at your ninth and tenth kid. These are all stair-step kids, the majority of them, you know, no more than about two years apart. Do you really expect to be able to control all of these children at the same time? Pastor K.L., Legally. Not at all. I mean, when, when, when you, no, not at all. I mean, when you're dealing with a basketball team, you know, or a football team, you know, somebody's going to be out of bounds. 
There is no way for, for you to have a bottle in somebody's mouth and trying to control the two and three or running around taking off their pamper. You know, you got you got four four or five kids in Pampers. You you got you got a mayhem. It, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be a good look. Somebody listen, when you got two kids or, or like you Pastor Steph, three kids, somebody's always touching somebody. Stop touching me, stop touching me. Mom he touching me. You got nine kids We slapping each other. You know what I mean? You can't control that. I'm sorry. All right, Pastor Jeff, is it, I mean, logical to believe that you're going to have control over all these children at the same time? Pastor Jeff, are you talking to the mute button? No, I, I, didn't, even, I didn't know you was addressing me. I didn't hear, hear that oh, part. You yes. addressing me with that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, like I said, I don't think they give it no thought. I guess the Bible said take no thought, right? <laughs> what you going to put on? <laughs> what you going to eat? <laughs> how you going to raise these kids? <laughs> oh, God. You know, uh uh, you know, it's, is it horniness? I don't know. I mean, you know, it seemed like the, the the woman just got stitched up and you busting them stitches, you know, to have another one with her. You know? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I don't, oh, I don't understand. He's happy that it's not him today. He is so happy it's not him today. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I, I take raising my kids very seriously. So, uh, you know, and, and, and wanting them to have a different life. So, I couldn't do. I couldn't do it like that. You know, and thank God, my wife. You know, she she didn't want to do it like that either. But. You know, I, I come from the Burns clan. Burns clan. My 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 great grandfather. You know, had almost twenty kids. Okay, and wow. you know, and then I look at, I look at how, you know, how their lives went, and it was like no way could you control them. I mean, one of my uncles became a notorious, you know, gangster, American gangster here in New York. You know, and you know, it's like and you and you and you and you a pastor. You know, you. You know, you you couldn't control them kids. You you just kept making them and making them. And it didn't matter. You know, let God take care of them. I guess I don't know. <laughs> but it, and you know what? You have to begin to think. Is that the thought? Because there, you know, there's a lot of economical issue, economic issues going on that need to be considered, again, the the control of your family and, 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 and you being able to keep your eye on all these children. Um, and, and, you know, we know that you can't control your children like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, but, again, like you said, Pastor Jeff, you know, you, you put your hand on everybody. You really can't. You're not God. So, you know, once they leave your sight, 
you really don't have it. You don't even have it. Like Pastor KL said, you ain't got no control over them when you have them right there with you because how many times do you hear, don't touch me, don't sit next to me. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, <laughs> like, you know, you feel on that's my you point. You know, it, 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 you, <laughs> you, you, you got one, you, you can't control even one or two, and then you just yes. keep making them. I mean, yes. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, the Bible do say be fruitful, right? I guess. <laughs> yeah, but you know, so there has to be like some said, level of, of, of responsibility and logic. <clears throat> Again, we're not talking about just one aspect of this thing. We're talking about can you financially afford them? Can you handle all of that? Again, it goes back to the initial question of now can you do this without needing the assistance? of the older children? Well, the answer is no, because you're going to need those extra eyes. You're going to need those extra hands. You're going to need that extra care that it's going to take to, you know, help you with the younger ones. So, you know, there's a whole lot of things that need to be considered. So just to be saying, well, you know, if the Lord wanted me to stop having them, he'd stop, you know, he'd stop. I'm like, oh, my gosh, because you look it and you see, like Shanti said, you know, the level of unruliness or, you know, now, now, now does the man really get a chance to spend time with the family? Because now he got to work 24 hours a day just to be able to feed and take care of the family because she can't get no job because she got to be home with the children. And mm. is that the dynamic that God wants you to have? So, you know, it, it, I don't know. I don't know. Again, far be it from any individual to say God didn't say you know, but mm-hmm. you really got to, there's a lot of things that we have to really look at. And, you know, a lot of things we put on God, God ain't got nothing to do with it. Oh, thank you so much, my my uh, my pastoral team and Shanti. I thank you so much for your contribution. Thank you so much for, for you know, adding to the equation of the conversation. Good conversation today. And I pray you have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You too. All righty. Oh, let's take this time to go before the Lord, holding hands and holding hearts. Heavenly Father God, we come before you, you know, with the word of thanks before we say anything to you, dear God. Just thanking you for being kind enough to even allow us to see a new day. A new day with brand new tender mercies. Regardless of what we've done, you still usher us in to a brand new day with brand new tender mercies. And we give you thanks, dear God, because it's, it's the ability to start this process all over again and to just make things better for ourselves and those that we love. And we thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for every conversation that takes place here, God. We have no idea who we're speaking to. We have no idea who needs to hear whatever it is that needs to be said. And and even if it's not the exact situation, God, we pray that even conceptually that we, we pick up on the, the, the tools that you give us day in and day out. 
We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, as I always say, for paying the bills. That we couldn't even be a blessing or be blessed if you didn't even cover that and allow us to connect despite the fact that we are geographically separated. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for allowing us to wake up in our right frame of mind that we could even have this conversation or even compute what's being given to us, dear God. No matter how much we we talk about you, no matter how much we think about all that you do, you're always operating in perfection. And we pray, God, that as we watch you, that we would strive to also operate in perfection, dear God, and that we would always hold on to the fact that you don't want any of us to perish. We would always hold on to the fact, dear Heavenly Father, that you always have your finger on the pulse of our lives. We hold on to the fact that you are a way maker, that you are the creator, you are the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And if you're at the beginning and if you're at the end, then you have to be there in the middle. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for those daily reminders that regardless of what we're going through, that you're always there, dropping those gems, dear Heavenly Father, always there, picking us up when we when we just when we're laying on the ground, encouraging us, dear Heavenly Father, supporting us, dear Heavenly Father, and Lord, we, we're just gonna lift up everyone before you, dear Heavenly Father, that you would just. Help us to change those imperfections, whether those are negligent imperfections or whether they're just careless, careless movements on our, you know, on our end. We ask you, the Heavenly Father, that we continuously just come before you, just seeking you, seeking your will, seeking your way not stepping out and doing things on our own, not stepping out and just assuming that, you know, we're doing it right, not stepping out and just telling people that is you and you don't have anything to do with it. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to just help us just that much more today, that we surrender ourselves to you just that much more today so that we continue to be a blessing to others, that we continue to love one another, help to push one another, help to support and encourage one another, God, that we would never leave one another, that we would not leave our our sister or brother's side, that we would not neglect to tell them about this wonderful Savior that you have provided for us. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for all that you do for us, whether we deserve it or whether we don't. You promise to supply all of our needs. And we thank you for being a man of your word, for being that promise keeper. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for demonstrating love and showing us what true love really is about. And Lord, you know, we talked about that that parent who was negligent, who now puts her cares on uh, on the weight and the weight of her life and her decisions 
on her children. We ask you, God, to just reroute that all. Because sometimes it turns out for the good, and sometimes it doesn't. So, Lord, we ask that as parents, we just think differently, that we put you before our decision-making. That we can't go back in time and change anything that we've done, but you can surely help us change our forward as you spare our life, that we can make better decisions, even with adult children. They will be our children until the day you close either one of our eyes. And we will always be responsible for being able to provide some level of guidance or assistance, even in words. It doesn't have to be monetarily, even in deeds. And, Lord, we ask you that we seek you first in everything we say and do. And that you forgive any of our, our shortcomings or our negligence. Things that we did not intend to do. And we thank you, God, for turning some things around that could have been worse. But because you have your finger on the pulse of every situation, you help to heal that situation. And we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for healing the situations now. We pray, God, for the family who senselessly lost their loved ones at the negligence of this of this United States, at the negligence of the other countries where these people are coming from. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to just help them, heal them, comfort them, dear Heavenly Father, from such a devastating blow. And that we pray that justice will be done. Even the, the families of those eight who were found murdered children 14 and 16 years old God we don't know what the circumstances were and we lift that entire situation before you as well God only you know only you know what ultimately happened and we pray to Heavenly Father that according to your will that everything would be reconciled accordingly we thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that we weren't a part of the news. That you rescued us, whether it was in a senseless deed or an accident. Something it's just something that we don't even think about. What could have gotten us caught up into a situation. So we thank you for just watching over us and just keeping everything still. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Oh, boy. You know, God is, is amazing. And we give God thanks for, again, all of these different conversations as, you know, even if you don't, even if this is not your situation, but again, conceptually, we, we're just blessed just blessed because there's something that we heard, something that we said today, even just speak to a situation that we could improve. You know, everything doesn't have to be, you know, something precise. You know, in other words, an addiction is an addiction. 
If you're addicted, if you're addicted, there's some components that you need to fix in your life. You know, just the addictions have different effects on our life. But if you have an addiction, you have an addiction. And we can take those same principles and apply it to our life, regardless of what our personal addiction is. So we pray that everybody that was listening today heard something that would make, you know, make you say, you know what, I got to work on that. I got to fix that. Because God didn't let me hear these arbitrary conversations for nothing. There's something about the situation that I need to now make applicable to my life. So, you know, we're going to give God thanks for everything he gives us, great and small, blessings seen and unseen. And we're going to now take every opportunity that God gives us and we're going to make it happen. Faith without works is dead. It's one thing to consistently look to God to fix stuff. But what are we doing to make sure that we're handling things properly? Are we throwing away golden opportunities? Because we just don't see it. It just ain't us. That's not for me. Or always saying, you know what, God, there's something in it for me. And even if I don't see it, I'm going to come to you for you to reveal it to me. Start doing that and watch how God begins to show you things. He will begin to display things to you right in front of you. And you're like, wow, I didn't even expect that. I didn't see that. I had not anticipated that. And we're going to give God glory. We're going to give him the glory for all that he does in front of us, on each side of us, in the back of us, above us, and underneath us. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my D-Time crew for always coming through big time. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Please do not miss this opportunity to give your life to the Lord right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to just strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares, where is Wow Wednesday? Until then, I love you.